Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 710 ESPN. ESPN. It's time for Alan to dish out tonight's top NBA stories on Lakers Talk. Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. If you're an NBA fan, if you're a Laker fan, you stay with me till 9 o'clock tonight. I'll make sure that you guys are all set. It's the top NBA stories with Alan Sliwa. Let's go. All right, one hour in the books, one hour to go. Uh, I'm not asking for too much here, Funches. I'm just telling Laker fans, NBA fans, we got them with all the uh, top NBA stories. Funch, what's the first one you got there? All right, Al, uh, the NBA is exploring a Field of Dream style game. Um, NBA executive VP of basketball strategy Evan Walsh said this on Sirius XM. We, we explored it, and we'll continue to talk about it. Obviously, the Field of Dreams game was incredibly successful. So no surprise, it has sparked some discussions, and it's worth exploring. But the logistic challenge of a basketball game outside are just significantly more than a baseball game, which, of course, is already outside. Um, Al, you think they could, it, it could work? Oh, no question about it. My man, it's happening. It's going to happen. You know, it's funny. When we saw the Field of Dreams, and, and we did this on the Travis and Sliwa show, we spent some time on this, uh, and even on Lakers Talk, It was such a success, and then you kind of start thinking about, okay, can other sports do this? And instantly you start thinking of the NBA. Let me just use as an example a couple um, incredibly famous locations that you you would think if you're going to do something like this, it's going to be nationally televised. It's so unique. You're going to get not just the ratings and the revenue, but just the interest, the buzz of people wanting to know, wait, what's the NBA doing? We all know of Rucker Park out in New York. Um, I think I told you this. I was out in New York, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. I went out there. I went out of my way. I wasn't anywhere near Rucker Park. I wanted to see the damn court. Nobody was playing and it you, was man. raining. I was, I'm with you, man. But here's the thing, Funch. Nobody was playing and it was raining. But, you know, that part, we don't have to share that detail. Uh, but uh, it's just such an iconic, iconic place. They can figure it out. Wasn't this – am I right or wrong on this? Didn't the players' union – End up. This was recently, in the last month or so, putting some money into Rucker yeah, they, Park. Yeah, um, they were. They're they're trying to renovate it. Basically, that's what they were doing. Yeah. They were renovating it, and then you and I just took that as that's it. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah, we're having a game there. You know whether we have any details or not. Okay, another iconic place right here in Southern California, Venice Beach. Ooh, right, man, nice um, scenery. Listen, there's only so many people. I don't know if people really know who Michael Funches is, but this guy on a Saturday, go find Funches down at Venice Beach. That's right. Uh, takes his shirt off, tells <laughs> it, finds the biggest and the uh, toughest guy to guard and says, I got him, and he locks him up. Um, but Venice Beach, Rucker Park, two places that are obviously iconic spots. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be complicated. I'm not saying that there wouldn't be challenges. Of course. Of course I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, you know, Funches, more than anything else, figure out how to make it happen because I think it would be incredibly successful. The only thing I'm worried about, Al, is um, just the people. How many people can you watch, have watched the game? I mean, we have usually we have like maybe fifteen to 16,000 at an NBA game. But at Rucker Park or even Venice Beach, you're going to have to dwindle it down to maybe even 1,000. Okay, so let me, let me try to play this out. Usually, you know, Dodger Stadium holds – 
52 maybe, something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. 52 is a sellout, something along those lines. They had 8,000 in that Field of Dreams baseball game. So think about how significant of a drop-off baseball went to make this happen. If an NBA arena, Lakers, you know, they're holding – I don't even think they hold 20,000. I think it's 19 and some change or close to 20. If you take the same percentage and you kind of have that significant drop-off – Let's say it's two, 3,000 people. Let's say it's 2,000 people. It's okay, Funch. You know, this is such a unique event. Maybe you don't pack them in like you would in a regular game at Staples Center or uh, at Barclays in Brooklyn. It's such a unique thing. You do it. You do it for one game, and then you kind of see what you could build off of it. Man, I hate to see what the ticket prices for those games will be, man. They're going to be well, that, really expensive. Of course, you know, there'll be supply and demand, and there'll be no supply, so the demand will go through the roof. I think even that baseball game, I know we keep referencing to this, but it's this is where part of this is being sparked from. The Field of Dreams baseball game had so much success between the White Sox and the New York Yankees. Um, I, I think the tickets will be crazy. Um, but that's just kind of the part of doing business. I'll tell you what, you don't want to spend any money. I don't want to spend any money. We could sit on our couch and enjoy the game, just like a lot of people, I think, did for that Field of Dreams game. I'll be on my couch, and I'll be watching it. I don't think I'll be at the game because I don't want to spend thousands of thousands of dollars on it. But um, here's the next one. Chump, uh, chump change chump the change. Yeah. Chump change. <laughs> next one out. Um, we saw Chris Bosh. We saw um, – who else was there? Paul ben, Pierce. Paul Pierce, Ben Wallace, C-Webb going right. to Hall of Fame last That's weekend. Right. And now we have the speculation for the next class of the class of 2022 for the Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm going to give you some names, potential names that could be, you know, going into the hall next year. And I want you, I want to get your feelings on it. Okay. All right. Um, former Boston Celtic Phoenix Sun, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. I'll tell you what. I, I'm not good with this. Here's the reality. I'm not good with this Hall of Fame stuff. Like, I don't pay close enough attention to what the resume should look like. What did this person accomplish? What did they do? What are their career stats? Joe Johnson, if I said, hey, Joe Johnson's going to the Hall of Fame, would you be surprised or not surprised? I think I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised, He doesn't have a chip. He doesn't – he wasn't really, like, scoring a lot of points. He was a 20-plus score a game, but, I mean, he wasn't, like, just lighting up the league, you know? Okay, so – this let me explain here. I would be surprised too, but what I don't know is I don't know if he has the resume of a Hall of Fame career, and I just don't know because I'm only paying attention to well, did they win a championship? How big were they to their championship run? But just genuinely, if you say Joe Johnson, I say I didn't even know he'd you know I I'd be surprised if he's in the Hall. All right, well, I'm just going to just skip on over to, like, Give me another name. David West, Richard Jefferson, and Zach Randolph. What do you think about these three guys, their chances of making a haul? I would imagine that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen way down the road. Like, I, I you know, when we kind of think of names of players, it took them X amount of years to get into the Hall of Fame, or some that are still waiting to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, David West, Richard Jefferson, and Zach Randolph don't pop out of, you know, Chris Webber, that's kind of an easy one. Chris Bosch was kind of an easy one. Paul Pierce was kind of an easy one. Ben Wallace, um, very unique, but the dude obviously had his impact and won an NBA championship. Defensive players of years and, and all kinds and, of words. And the, way, and the way he played defense was you know as good as it gets. So those I, I don't hesitate as much. These names that you're throwing at me, I, I think I have more hesitation on. All right, well, we'll make it a little bit more harder. How about Jason Terry? Jason Terry got a championship with Dallas. 
You win another one or just one? I think he, he just, didn't win just it. one. Just one. Just that one I in Dallas. Didn't he get also traded to – he was part of the Brooklyn deal. He was in Brooklyn as well trying to play with all those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, he Paul was with Pierce the – Kevin Garnett. Kev, yes, he was the old guys. Yeah, the old Nets. Jason Terry. Man, maybe I, I'll never be uh, a candidate here for getting people into the Hall of Fame. I don't think I'm letting anybody in. <laughs> I think I just keep keep striking right, everybody out. I got out. one more name for you, and I think he's going to get in. Manu okay. Ginobili. I'll get, get his you-know-what in. Get Manu Ginobili in. You know what's funny? Out of all the you know different players that the Lakers have gone up against, I feel like I'm supposed to not like Manu Ginobili. Okay, not but like him. Well, I, that's what I'm trying to say is like the Lakers always battled with the Spurs, right? And I know it's a different type of battle. Like it's easy not to like Chris Webber or it's easy not to like uh, Mike Bibby or Rasheed Wallace or Paul Pierce. Like there's certain players that the Lakers went up against where you're like, yeah, I got no problem not liking this guy or James Harden today or whatever the case is. Manny Ginobili was not only somebody that, um, you know, to this day uh, I enjoyed watching play. I got to be honest, his style of basketball is one of my favorite styles that I've ever watched play the game. So, you know, that's what I think of when I think of Hall of Fame. I think of a player like Manny Ginobili. It's not just the five championships they won or whatever the case is. This is the style he played. He came off the bench, the way he impacted games. I don't know about you, but Manu was uh, you know, fantastic to watch. And underrated is probably not the right way to describe him, but I, I could I could watch Manu Ginobili play basketball any day of the week. He's probably credited uh, in bringing the Eurostep to the NBA. All, you know, the good old Eurostep that all, a lot of players have been using, especially James Harden. How's your, just out of curiosity, how's your Eurostep? Um... You got to see it on the court, man. <laughs> I, think uh, I, just, I think I just travel. Like I think I, I think I take four steps. I'm like, no, nah, that's a Euro step. Then, Al, you literally just travel. And one more that's thing for one more thing for Manu. Remember he bat down a bat with his hands. I do remember that. That that's like the one thing I remember from Manu. Did only that. I think it's there's so certain, awesome. There's certain people that you're like, don't even get surprised by it. Like Manu did it. It took the bat over. I don't know where. I don't know who he gave it to, and then was like, "Okay, let's go. Let's let's play here." I'm like, "Man, are you going to put any any hand sanitizer on your hand? No, Anything, all, or are you no. just going to go right back on the court?" He was ready to go back on the court. Exactly, man. Um, okay, well, I, I got I got one for you now. Okay. So I don't know if you saw this, uh, Donovan Mitchell, um, talking about his championship hopes. He was on with uh, had a conversation with the athletic Sam Amick. So I probably do this too much, and a little bit later in the show, I'm going to play something from C.J. McCollum and basically just talking about the Lakers reloaded. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I want to read off quote. He said, we can get it done, and we've got to go out there and continue to work, and I think we need to come back a little bit of fire in us, understanding that there were times last year, um, I wouldn't say we forgot, we allowed teams to feel comfortable. He says, this is our time right here. Okay, Funches? I, I would like to be very respectful here. And let me tell you something, Donovan Mitchell, short list of players that uh, that that's that dude is a star. And watching Donovan Mitchell progress in the NBA every single season, seeing how he kind of adds more and more to his game. When I hear a player like Donovan Mitchell, and this isn't just the Utah Jazz and their predicament, their situation, when they say, like, we're this is our year, like we're right there. I don't know what to tell you, bud, but what am I missing? Because I don't think the Jazz are right there. I don't think the Suns are right there. I don't think the uh, Phoenix Suns, or I'm sorry, the uh, Dallas Mavericks, some of these other teams, I'm not saying that these teams are not very talented, but help me understand how these teams are going to beat a healthy Los Angeles Lakers team 
Am I on my own island on this? No, or, no, you're, uh, no, you're not, man. I, I, I'm looking at what they did in the offseason, and I can tell you this. Their biggest offseason additions were Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside. And those are not guys that are sort of breaking through the ceiling. And that, that's, you're not going to beat the Lakers actually, with that. Let, let, let me say this. I actually like those two signings. I, I think those are two good signings for them. They obviously brought back Mike Conley. Um, maybe I'm wrong here. And maybe you know what they're, they're keeping in mind is that the Lakers – on paper, have an incredible amount of talent, but that still has to work on the court. Maybe that's kind of the thought process there. But I just, you know, when I hear quotes like this, I, I'm trying to understand, uh, and I love the confidence. That's what you want from your, you know, superstar. Know, what is he supposed to say, though? We're not going to win the title this year? No, I think, you know, I, I, it's going to be a battle. So many teams are uh, incredibly talented. We know that we also got a great chance of coming out of the Western Conference. Maybe that's more... I don't know. Maybe that's semantics, but I when I when I hear players say certain things like that, you're right. Maybe that's what they're supposed to say. I just don't think it's realistic. Right. I mean, it could be realistic, but it has to do with other injuries and so forth. All right, quickly, uh, C-Webb said that he wanted to trade to the Lakers before oh, yeah, he got traded right. to the Sacramento Kings. He said, I thought I was going to go there in a trade for Eldon Campbell, Eddie Jones, and Nick Van Exel. I wanted to go there. Now, how different would it, everything, just the whole NBA universe have been if C-Webb have gone to the Lakers? Okay, am I kind of crazy on this one? Uh, by the way, Trevor Lane coming up at 8.30. Am I crazy on this one? Nah, I'm good. C-Webb, by the way, the ceiling could have been a lot higher for the Lakers. Uh, but I kind of liked going up against the Sacramento Kings. I liked the Lakers playing, maybe because the Lakers won and there was not a, you know, uh, there was a scare in there, but the Lakers eventually would eventually win. But I liked going up against Vlade and Mike Bibby and Stojakovic and Come Bobby on, Portis and Chris Webber. It would have been C-Webb, Shaq, and Kobe. I mean, you can't stop that. <laughs> okay. Here would be my question. Um, Robert Ori was so big, he's taken Ori's spot. And I'm not telling you that Chris Webber is not more talented than Ori. He is, but Robert Ori filled his specific role as good as anybody can. So I get what you're saying, but Robert Ori was also, you know, as clutch as it gets, hitting the shot against the Blazers, hitting big shots against the Sacramento Kings, hitting shots left and right when the Lakers needed it most. I get what you're saying, but I think it, it I guess is kind of hard okay to, with how it all turned it out. It is kind of hard to imagine C Webb hitting those three pointers and those big three pointers. Well, C Webb said he thought he was getting traded for Eldon Campbell, Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel. He said, I wanted to go there. Um, he's a baller. Let's not, you know, try to sugarcoat this. C Webb was definitely a, ball, a, a baller and also a Hall of Famer. I don't know what to tell you. Kind of like the battles with the Kings, and I liked what Robert Ory did for the Lakers. All right, Funches, great stuff, buddy. That is our top NBA stories. Uh, I did just mention it. Trevor Lane coming up at 8.30. More Lakers talk coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I right, always enjoy doing top NBA stories with Funches. So, um, you know, I, I did this a little bit earlier in the show. I talked about Talon Horn Tucker's uh, impact and what we could expect from THT this upcoming season. 
And that is, you know, genuinely a question for me. I'm trying to kind of figure out where would you put THT? How key is he going to be? I'll bring this up to Trevor Lane as well. But I want to throw this out there to Laker fans. You could always hit me on Twitter if I don't get a chance to, you know, obviously answer the phone here as we go from topic to topic. And I know a lot of listeners are uh, active in, uh, in trying to call into the show. Um, hit me on Twitter, at Alan Sliwa. Um what Lakers role player will have the most impact this upcoming season? So I've obviously done this, and I've spent a lot of time on this. LeBron's impact, Anthony Davis's impact, Russell Westbrook's impact. And I already talked about THT, so I'm going I'm to kind of leave THT out of the mix here. I'm going to leave THT out of the mix just specifically for this exercise because we know he can have great impact. I kind of look at this team, and there are so many new faces on this roster. I look at this team in, I don't know if you want to call it three different tiers, and the tiers I'm referring to really kind of has to do with age, okay? So let me explain what I'm talking about here. You got the the Vets Vets, the OGs, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, Rajon Rondo, DeAndre Jordan. Um, those guys are you know, all at a stage where I want to say they're uh, actually, DeAndre is technically 33 years old, so he wouldn't actually even be in that stage. But you got your vets where I think Carmelo is going to be impactful, but I think it's going to be in stints. I think Carmelo will be impactful in you know, one game. He might play 15 minutes, and then he might have back-to-backs. He sits out the second of a back-to-back. It's a grueling schedule. It's 82 games. I think that's going to happen with Dwight Howard. I think that's going to happen with Rajon Rondo. I think that's going to happen with Trevor Ariza. Probably with DeAndre Jordan as well, just because of the Lakers' predicament, having now two seven-footers like they do with Dwight and DeAndre, and then, you know, of course, Anthony Davis will get his chances to play the five as well. Um, those guys are going to have impacts. There's going to be a game, I guarantee it, where I'm sitting in the post-game show and I'm saying, how big was Dwight Howard? That was so huge, his 11 rebounds and his nine points and his three block shots. You know what? That was the difference of the game. Then I might go a couple post-game shows without talking about him. Same thing for Carmelo. Carmelo's going to have a game where dude hit six three-pointers. You know, LeBron was hitting him on the money. Rondo was hitting him on the money. Um, He found a way to – Russell Westbrook was hitting him on the money, and he found a way to contribute for the Lakers. And I probably won't talk about him for a couple of games. So that's kind of the first tier of Laker vets. And, again, I'm, I'm going over a Laker role player that will have the most impact for the Lakers. I don't know why this category here, let's look at the secondary category. These are guys that are around 32, 33 years old. Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore are the two names that stick out most to me. You know, you still got these young guns, Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk. THT already said I'm not going to have, he won't be a part of this conversation. Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, because I have not seen them play a ton and they're both young players, and they're on a veteran team, and the Lakers are trying to win an NBA championship. I think they're going to have you know impactful games. I'm just I'm genuinely not sure how impactful they're going to be on a night in night out basis. Kent Bazemore and Wayne Ellington, I feel like, can get significant playing time for the Lakers. I'm going to narrow it down a little bit further. I'm really excited to see Kent Bazemore this year. You know, we got a chance. This was a number of years back to see Kent Bazemore with the Lakers, and I remember. Um, he had some success with the Lakers, and then he went and got like a $70 million contract with the Atlanta Hawks. And then this past season, he was playing for the Golden State Warriors and took less money to come play for the Lakers. He really wanted to play for the Lakers and kind of have a chance here at a, at a title run, at a championship run. I'm a fan of Kent Bazemore's game. 
I am. And I don't know how much, you know, uh, Laker fans will talk about Kent Bazemore until the season starts, and then, you know, we'll kind of take it from there. But the dude will show up every single night. He'll be kind of a pest on defense. He's one of those guys that is not afraid to die for a loose ball. Um, he shot 40% from the three-point this past season, from the three-point line this past season. I think Kent Bazemore is going to have you know a bigger impact than most people think. And oh, by the way, Kent Bazemore didn't start in the league a year ago. He also has the experience that you know when I say the right age, what I'm re- what I'm referring to there. He's 32 years old. Just turned actually 32 uh, July 1st. But he's at the right age where he can still contribute. I like his game. He continues to improve. And he's been in the league long enough, 10-plus years in the NBA, that he's been in the league long enough where he understands certain predicaments, certain situations, big-time games, what to do, not afraid of the moment. So I'm a fan of Kent Bazemore. And I'm going to lob into this one as well, Wayne Ellington. Again, another guy that played for the Lakers, um, 33 years old. A guy that I feel like in, you know, big time situations won't be afraid of the moment. There's going to be a battle, by the way. I, nobody knows who's going to start for shooting guard for the Lakers. If you just kind of let me kind of give my prediction for the Lakers starting lineup. All right, you got Russ at the one. At the two, we don't know yet. I think you're going to have guys competing at that number two. Maybe Taylor Horn Tucker, Kent Bazemore, and Wayne Ellington are all fighting for that number two spot. Uh, number two spot as a starter. Okay. Um, after that, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and we'll see what happens at the center spot. Maybe it's DeAndre, maybe it's Dwight, even though I think Dwight will come off the bench. So maybe it leans more towards DeAndre Jordan. Maybe Anthony Davis ends up um, starting at the uh, five spot for the Lakers. But that shooting guard, Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore, I kind of find a little fascinating. Maybe it's Malik Monk, by the way. But I think it's fascinating because um, I think those two guys can actually contribute for the Lakers they're not that young to where you don't feel like they have the experience. These guys have 10-plus years in the NBA. And, oh, by the way, Wayne Ellington, a fantastic shooter. Think about the spacing he's going to get on a night-in-night-out basis. Guys like uh, Russell Westbrook and LeBron James looking for him. People doubling down on Anthony Davis to kick it back out to him. Rondo getting opportunities to dish. So, for me, the Lakers role player that will have the most impact – Kent Bazemore and Wayne Ellington are the two names I think most Laker fans aren't talking about, and I'm looking forward to see what they can contribute. Maybe I'll be wrong. I mean, a season ago I was talking about Wesley Matthews, how I thought he was going to have a significant season for the Lakers, and that obviously uh, never ended up um, panning out. Okay, Trevor Lane, a senior writer for Lakers Nation, does a fantastic job covering the team. I always uh, appreciate having him on the show. He's coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. All right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. Uh, a great friend that always uh, is nice enough to free up some time to join the show, Trevor Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation, taking the time. Uh, Trevor, look, there's a lot going on. I don't know how you can focus on Lakers right now with all this NFL stuff and college football, but I need your undivided attention. If you give me 10, 12 minutes, that's all I need, Trev. I, I think we can do that, and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll make that work. Yeah, the NFL season kicked off, so we're all excited about that. We're also only a few weeks away from NBA training camp, so uh, a lot to be excited about right now. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get your opinion on this. I've spent some time on the show talking about my expectations for Talon Horton Tucker and, you know, that I'm excited to see him play, but I also, I think, need to be a little bit real need to be a little bit realistic that this is a 20-year-old playing with a ton of veterans and the team's trying to win a championship. Where are you with Talon Horn Tucker? Do you think he's going to have a significant impact this season, or do you think, hey, you know what, you're not sure. you got to kind of let things play out and see how this 20-year-old takes uh, this type of year. I mean, I think there has to be, you know, that understanding that he's 20, he doesn't even turn 21 until November. He's still extremely young. He's got, you know, plenty of, of room to grow here in the NBA. But at the same time, they paid him as though he's going to play a lot, and they paid him as though they're going to expect him to make an impact. So I do think the Lakers believe in his talent, believe in his upside. I think that he can be a presence out there for him. Now, whether that means he's coming off the bench for 20 minutes and 10 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like just yet. But even on a veteran team, you do need young legs, and I think his skill set will be a nice fit in terms of putting pressure on the rim, especially when Russell Westbrook is off the floor. I could see a nice combo there with the two of them. So I think they're going to ask uh, THT to do uh, a decent amount this season because, again, that's, that's what the dollar amount says. Most important thing you want to see from THT as far as improvement in his game this upcoming season? Uh, on the defensive end of the floor, I just want to see a little bit more awareness in terms of uh, his off-ball reads, that sort of thing. He's already got the great physical uh, tool set for uh, for being a really good defender. I mean, we talk all the time about the 6'4 height with a 7'1 wingspan, which is ridiculous. He, he could wind up being a very, very good defender. He's just got to get caught up with the mental side of things. But on offense, it's all about the shot. If he can get even to league average, which is actually a pretty big jump for him, 28% from three last season, ask him to get up to about 35 36% from three, maybe it doesn't happen this season. But if he can eventually get there, he's so good already at getting to the basket. If defenses have to honor him behind the arc and actually close out on him, that's just going to open up his entire offensive game. So on defense, I'm looking for that just off-ball awareness to improve a little bit. And on offense, it's all about that jump shot. If that starts to fall, we could see CTHT take a really big leap this season. Trevor Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. Uh, Trev, okay, let, let's put THT to the side. Let's put the superstars to the side, Westbrook, AD, and LeBron James. Put every all those guys to the side for a second. The role player that you're most looking forward to watching this upcoming season uh, and, and you think will have the most impact for the Lakers, who would, how would you answer that? You know, there's, there's so many guys. I think THT has been my default answer because of the growth potential there, but we just talked a bit about him. 
Uh, other than him, I think the guy that, I, that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Carmelo Anthony, and maybe mm-hmm. it's me walking down Narrative Street a little bit too much here, but the Lakers and Carmelo Anthony have been circling each other for almost a decade now. Yeah, you're right. And the Lakers were pursuing him, and then he was looking to get back into the NBA, and the Lakers might have been an option, and, and finally it's happened. Finally, the stars have aligned, and he's in purple and gold, and I just can't wait to see what that looks like, what kind of an impact he can have, even if it's limited minutes. I think just as a scorer off the bench, he's a guy who can come in and make a difference for the Lakers, somebody where, worst case, the offense breaks down. You know he's going to be able to get buckets. 10, 15 years from now, Carmelo Anthony's going to be able to still get buckets. He's going to be tearing people up at the local YMCA. So I'm, I'm excited to see him in that role for the Lakers this season. You know, it's interesting because you're right. There's so many new faces, and you try to kind of – there's different tiers. You have – you know, the, definitely the older players, right? Dwight, Carmelo, Rajon Rondo, Trevor Ariza. You kind of put them all in that category. Then you have that middle. When, I, when I'm talking about middles, I want to say Kent Bazemore and uh, Wayne Ellington, kind of in that same category. And then the younger pieces, whether it's Kendrick Nunn or Malik Monk. There are a lot of different guys to kind of choose from. And I, I guarantee you, whoever we're excited to, you know, both you and I, um, whoever were excited to see this upcoming season, there's going to be some surprises, and there's going to be guys. I remember I'll use this as an example. I, I was I was stoked to see Wesley Matthews and Marcus All come in the off season. I thought they would have more of an impact. They didn't, Trev. Right, and 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 I think that's what's going to be unique about uh, this upcoming season. You you have so many new faces. Whoever we're thinking about today that we think can have a great impact, it might be. It could easily be one of these other guys. Yeah, and that's one of the things I've mentioned a lot on, on our show for Lakers Nation is that, uh, you know, as much as we look at the offseason with optimism and every fan base does this, the reality is that not everybody is going to work out. And there will be some surprises. There will be some some guys where we're just, I mean, like you said, Wes Matthews, we're just picturing them as this perfect fit right now. And then for whatever reason, things just don't work out. And, uh, and so I think that's something to keep in mind when we look at the depth on this team and we say, oh, my gosh, Frank Vogel's got such a huge problem here. How is he going to find minutes for all these guys? Well, not everybody is going to work out perfectly. So some of that is going to solve itself naturally. But I do think the Lakers have built a very deep team, and there's a lot of guys to be excited about. And the guys who do really work out, I think, can, uh, can take this team really far. I mean, man, if the pieces on this team really hit, we could be looking at uh, number 18 in, uh, in just a few months here. Well, we definitely know that's obviously going to be the expectations. And, you know, no other better place to be is when um, that is the goal, right? As, as crushing as it could be if your team doesn't win it. But, you know, that's what one of the things Lakers obviously always offer is that opportunity to win a championship. Um, speaking of guys, new faces coming in the offseason, what do you think? Last week, DeAndre Jordan, it became official, a part of the Lakers. Big deal or not that big with you? How, how would you kind of describe DeAndre's addition? I think it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I've got a, I've seen a lot of Lakers fans that are, you know, not super excited about DeAndre Jordan because there's an understanding that, hey, he's not the guy that he was six years ago. But I think in terms of skill set, he's a fit in that you're kind of replicating what the Lakers had two seasons ago, which is less than a calendar year ago, which is still crazy to me. But uh, when they had JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, uh, having two similar skill set bigs, you're now kind of recreating that with DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard this season guys who are just going to set hard screens roll to the basket uh protect the paint rebound the basketball have that be their primary uh skill set so i like i do like the addition in in that sense 
but there's going to be some familiarity with a big that can do those things, kind of like JaVale Kane, even though they're not the exact same player. But ultimately, I don't see him being more than a you know 15-minute-a-night guy just at this stage of his career. That, that's just kind of what he is. I think he's going to be very matchup-dependent. He can make an impact in the right matchup, but against teams that go small, I think we're going to see kind of like what we saw with JaVale and Dwight, where, where he's not going to be out there on the floor. Uh, Trevor Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation, taking some time to uh, join Lakers Talk. Um, Trev, I don't, I don't know if you saw this. There was a, a story that came out. Chris Webber uh, kind of makes you think back to the days um, of the Laker-Kings rivalry. You want to call it a rivalry. Kings never beat the Lakers, so it's tough to call it really a rivalry. Do you see the story about Chris Webber said he wanted uh, wanted a trade to the Lakers before he eventually got traded to the Sacramento Kings? I, I kind of tried to think about that. C-Webb said that he thought he was going in a trade for Eldon Campbell, Eddie Jones, and Nick Van Exel. He said, I wanted to go there. It, you know, I kind of I look back at that generation. And as good as C-Webb was, I don't think I'd want him on the Lakers. I, I love the way you know things panned out and those two franchises got a chance to go up against each other. And, yes, I know the Lakers – um, got the best of the Sacramento Kings, but I always thought those were great battles. How weird would that have been to see C. Webb on the Lake Show? It definitely would have changed things quite a bit. I mean, I mean, we talk about NBA history, we talk about you know impact moments that could alter everything. That's certainly one of them. Uh, you think about that. What was it? Eddie Jones uh, wound up getting wound up getting traded for Glenn Rice, so take him off of the championship team. Uh, Nick Van Exel kind of got exiled when Derek Fisher really That's came right. into his own. I don't know. I mean, value-wise, I, I like that move for the Lightning. I mean, like Chris Webber was a phenomenal player, and I do love all the you know the rivalry that was created between Sacramento and LA, and and those great series that we saw. But I think there's an argument to be made that the Lakers would have been even better. Now, depending on the the year that he's talking about, you know, you've got a very very young Kobe there, so That's maybe right. he wasn't ready to step into a starting two guard spot for Eddie Jones. But regardless, I think the Lakers. Probably their upside could have been even higher with Chris Weber, but I guess you know we'll never know. But fun to fun to speculate for sure. And you, know, you got to have Robert Ory uh, hanging out by the three point line doing what he does. Uh, Trev, final one That's I got great. for you, and I and I appreciate you uh, obviously taking time to join the show. This is another one. Um, C.J. McCollum uh, was quoted of, of basically talking about the Lakers. Yeah, continuing to reload. I'll read it. This was uh, he was on Jalen and Jacoby. He says they reloaded. They reloaded. They brought in a lot of veterans. They brought in my guy Mello. Uh, I think they'll be a solid team. Obviously, good starters, good backups. They have the depth that will allow Braun, AD, and Russ, and some of those guys to rest some of the games throughout the season, which is probably ideal. Goes on says a few more things. You know, I, I, I kind of think about this because CJ McCollum is a good example of the Portland Trailblazers. How demoralizing do you think it is? for some of these teams in the Western Conference who um, have thought maybe there's a window and then LeBron comes to the Lakers and then Anthony Davis ends up here. And, you know, obviously the Lakers, Anthony Davis gets injured and then they go out and they get Russell Westbrook. There are a lot of teams I feel like in the Western Conference that think they have a chance, but really the reality is they don't have a chance. And I think Portland, I, I throw into that mix um, when you think of the Western Conference in this upcoming season and you see C.J. McCollum talk about the Lakers getting reloaded, a championship team getting you know, more loaded, how, how do you think the Western Conference kind of shapes up this season and how far do you think the West is from the Lakers? And if you don't think they're that far, that's all good, but I, I'd love to hear your reasoning on that. 
Yeah, I mean, as of right now, I don't think they're that far. I think the top end for the Lakers is is clearly head and shoulders above everybody else in the Western Conference if everything clicks. But my only hesitation is we haven't seen it. We don't know what this team looks like on the floor, and we've seen plenty of examples in NBA history where things on paper look great, and then they just don't wind up working out. So until we see it, until the Lakers can build that chemistry, remember in, in the 2020 championship season, they built chemistry very, very quickly, maybe faster than we've ever seen a team before uh, for a variety of reasons. So I want to see how this all comes together before I'm going to proclaim them the, the king of the mountain here in the Western Conference. I think you've got some other teams that are very good in the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, Jamal Murray. When he comes back, you'll have the Denver Nuggets in the mix. Uh, you've got a lot of clubs here that, uh, that can really give the Lakers some problems in the West. But I do think the Lakers ceiling is higher than everyone else's. And, yeah, it is, it is going to be a little bit demoralizing. I mean, look at it even just from this season's perspective. Forget about the Lakers getting LeBron and, and all of that. The Lakers get Russell Westbrook, and immediately the, the murmuring around the NBA is, oh, well, how are they going to build the rest of this roster? Okay, they've got three stars now, but there's no way they can put together a, a good roster around them with only the, the taxpayer minimums yep. and veteran minimums. And then look at what Rob Blanket did. Look at the pieces that they've added. Look at how many guys raised their hand and said, I will take less to go be a Los Angeles Laker and be a part of this. So, yes, that has to be a bit demoralizing to these other teams because there is that understanding that on paper the Lakers look very, very good. We'll see what it looks like on the floor, but their ceiling is just higher than everybody else in the Western Conference, in my opinion. Trev, you're the best, buddy. Thank you for uh, making the time and uh, always uh, being willing to come on the show. Uh, Trevor Lane, senior writer for Lakers Nation, does fantastic work all over Lakers Nation. Trev, appreciate the time, bud. Hey, no problem, Alan. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's Trevor Lane right there. I actually want to play. When we come back, I'm going to play this clip from C.J. McCollum with Jalen and Jacoby because, you know, when I say it's demoralizing, I'm actually going to take it a step further because, as, you know, Trev kind of indicates there that he thinks the the West, there's going to be a, a ton of teams battling. You know, I disagree. I really do. And I, I get what he's saying. He's saying that it's one thing on paper, but these guys actually have to click. Let's do that when we come back. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, welcome back to Lakers. How does this show go so fast? I don't understand. I feel like I just got started and now already in the final segment here. Uh, Thank you to Mike Bresnahan who was on at the 7 o'clock hour. Thank you to Trevor Lane who uh, joined me here in that last segment. Um, by the way, as I always try to remind uh, our Laker fans, if you miss any part of the show, full two hours, ESPN app or on iTunes, just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. The show does fantastic on the podcast, so I always appreciate people who can't catch the show live going out of their way to, uh, to catch the show afterwards. Um, okay, so you heard me just talking to Trevor Lane about this. Uh, C.J. McCollum was on with Jalen and Jacoby. Let me play this piece of sound first. C.J. McCollum talking about the Lakers reloading, and I want to react to it. Take a listen. 
They reloaded, man. They reloaded. They brought in a lot of veterans. They brought in my guy, Melo. Uh, I think they'll be a solid team, but, you know, obviously a good starters, good backups. They have depth. They'll be able to allow Brown and AD and Russ and some of those guys to rest, you know, some games throughout the season, which is probably ideal. Um, but it's going to be competitive. I got nothing but respect for, for the rest of the league, especially the Lakers. It's going to be competitive, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how everyone, everyone has improved this upcoming season. All right, that's uh, that's CJ McCollum right there. Two things stick out from that from that clip. Okay, the first thing to me is how demoralizing does it have to be if you're in the Western Conference right now? Let, let me use Portland as an example. The Portland Trailblazers just don't have enough. Period. I don't care how good Damian Lillard is. CJ McCollum is a really really nice player as well. But here's the reality: the reality is they don't have enough. And that's pretty much the Western Conference, in my opinion, going into this season. Now, people might be there and say, Alan, you know, you're way too bold about the Lakers. You know, you're, you're thinking that Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that it's a guarantee to work and that all these role players are going to fit in perfect and that everything's just going to be all peachy. I'm not saying that. But I'll tell you what I'll take my chances on. The Lakers already won a championship with LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's already happened. So we've already seen that. So there's no surprises there when they went out and they beat Portland. They beat Houston. They beat, you know, obviously teams in the Western Conference to get to the the Denver Nuggets to get to the finals and then take care of the Miami Heat. Okay, but you know what? The NBA has changed. But I'll tell you wasn't what hasn't changed. Most of these teams in the Western Conference still kind of have the same assets, right? I mean, Portland, nothing significant has changed with that team. Um, Denver, who health is going to be a big part of it. I'm I, I'm actually a big fan of the Denver Nuggets. I, I think last season, if Jamal Murray was healthy, they'd have had a much longer run. But let me let me just kind of ask Laker fans this question: Do the Utah Jazz really scare you? Do the Phoenix Suns really scare you? Um, when I say it's got to be demoralizing for the Western Conference, what I'm referring to is this. The Lakers reloaded? Wait a minute. What do you mean the Lakers reload? It's these other teams that need to reload, not the Lakers. Even if you're not that crazy about the addition of Russell Westbrook, the Lakers on one freaking roster have LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. And just compare that to the rest of the Western Conference. Um, That's what I mean by it's demoralizing. If you're the Dallas Mavericks and you're Luka, you're still waiting. Who the hell is going to be? I need a third player to play with. You know, unfortunately for the Clippers, they're in a different predicament situation because their best player in Kawhi Leonard, we don't know how long he's going to be out for, but you got to imagine a kind of a, a stretched amount of time of the season. We'll see what happens there. And then I, I went down the list with the Utah Jazz, and that is demoralizing. It should be demoralizing in the Western Conference. Um, one other thing that I want to hit on from what C.J. McCollum said. So this is, you know, in my opinion, another important aspect to it. He talked about how he thought um, that the additions that the Lakers had, I'll read, you know, uh, this actual quote, it will allow Braun, AD, and Russ and some of these guys to rest some of these games throughout the season, which is probably ideal. So earlier on the show, um, I played a clip here from Kendrick Perkins, who was on with the jump. George Sedano was hosting. And Kendrick Perkins said, you know what? I don't care what Vegas says. Vegas has the Lakers at, I think, 51 and a half games uh, is what they're predicted to win this year. He's like, they might get damn near close to 70. I think C.J. McCollum hit it perfect. 
you got so much talent, you got so much vets, it actually allows you to really strategize in the regular season because you know ultimately at the end of the day it's not about just making the playoffs. It's not about just getting to the second round. It's not about getting to the Western Conference Finals. It's not about getting to the NBA Finals. It's about winning it all. And you have the luxury of pacing yourself and not not as worried about the uh, home court advantage or not as worried about the regular season. That's not to say that every game in the regular season is not going to be important. That's not to say that every game in the regular season isn't going to count. That's not what I'm referring to. But the Lakers can play it a little bit differently. I don't think the Utah Jazz have the luxury of the Lakers of saying, you know what, if if we want to be a little more strategic with Donovan Mitchell this upcoming season, we're going to do it. No, they don't have that luxury. The Phoenix Suns don't have that luxury with Devin Booker. They got to win every single game because home court might be the difference of them getting to the Western Conference or not getting to the Western Conference. Same with the Denver Nuggets, same with Dallas, kind of go down the list. But C.J. McCollum, which I think is very wise, which is why earlier I was saying, I don't know what Kendrick Perkins is talking about when he says the Lakers might get damn near close 70. It's not important to the Lakers. So those are the two points I take from C.J. McCollum, and that's an easy guy to like in the league, and he's got such a great game and everything he kind of brings to the table you're a fan of. But I think it's also realistic when I say it's got to be demoralizing for the Western Conference that here are the Lakers who, if it wasn't for health, probably would have got back to the NBA Finals and then again reloaded. Uh, I thought Trevor Lane had a great point. It wasn't just getting Russell Westbrook. Remember, when they got Russell Westbrook, it was like, how the hell are you going to fill up the rest of this roster? They still got a lot of guys on the cheap, vets that wouldn't go sign somewhere else that came and signed to the Lakers. And it was actually kind of a two-horse race between the Lakers and the Nets of which of these guys Lakers were going to get, whether in the buyout market or for the veterans minimum or anything along those lines. Um, So DeAndre Jordan is a Los Angeles Laker. We know that. you know, DeAndre is, now that he's officially a Laker, signed again, this is another good example, another player signed a one-year, two-and-a-half, $2.6 million deal with the Lakers. Big deal, not that big of a deal. Um, you know, I'll say this, he's only 33. I think we just kind of have assumed that DeAndre Jordan is a lot older than he really is. He's not that old, he's only 33 years old. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think DeAndre Jordan is going to be the difference of winning a championship or not winning a championship. But I think it's another piece that the Lakers add to go with this incredible depth that they have. And, you know, most Laker fans would agree with this. I don't think there's surprise any surprise on this one. It's a very similar blueprint that the Lakers had when they won the championship a year ago, which is still kind of crazy to think the Lakers won a championship a year ago and then somebody else was crowned uh, in July, the Milwaukee Bucks. But that's, you know, that's obviously just the window that we've played in. So, I, listen, overall with DeAndre Jordan, you know, you'd rather have him than not have him. Um, and especially because Marcus All, it looks like, is retiring. And obviously the Lakers traded him to the Memphis Grizzlies. But I don't think this is going to be, you know, one of those predicaments or situations where um, it will be the difference of a championship. I think just adds incredible depth, and it looks very similar to the JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard days. Now it's going to be DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard that play that center spot for the Lakers. Hell, DeAndre may even start and play the first seven minutes of the first quarter, and then it just depends how much minutes he plays after that. That's not out of the ordinary because we've seen that happen with the JaVale McGee days. Maybe it's a similar blueprint. Maybe it's a similar game plan of what the Lakers uh, will do this upcoming season. And DeAndre, you know, his presence, will he 
uh, will this kind of take away from AD playing more of the five? I don't think so. I, I think, you know, I've talked about this a number of different times. For the Lakers, ultimately, I, I think it comes down to this. It comes down to when the Lakers need AD to play the five, he'll play the five. And when it's not that important, then he won't play the five. But DeAndre, obviously, uh, that will be his addition. The Marcus Gasol piece to this, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Marcus Gasol... I want to read off something from uh, Bill Orm, who covers the Lakers for The Athletic. He said, Mark's floor spacing, big uh, or the spacing from a big perspective, Lakers could use in lineups with Russell Westbrook, as the team tour said about Gasol. He really could help us. More from Bill Orm. He says, this can... This can only be a consequence of the Andre Drummond signing, promising him Gasol's starting job and demoting Gasol to third string created a rift that could not be resolved. Listen, I, I, I'm not going to know the details of what happened behind the scenes with, uh, with Marc Gasol and the Lakers. I did you know, think when the Lakers originally signed him this past offseason, I, I thought it'd be a, I thought it was a nice addition. I really did. I, I thought he'd be a nice piece for the Lakers. If you said, you know, you want to pick between Marc Gasol and Dwight Howard, I'd have picked Dwight Howard. But if you ask me to pick between Marc Gasol and DeAndre Jordan, I like that Marc Gasol brought something different. I like that Gasol, uh, like Bill Orm mentions here, and all Laker fans understand this, you know, he could spread the floor. He could space the floor, let's put it that way, because he's a player that can shoot from the outside. Um, but ultimately for the Lakers, if, if Gasol and whatever happened with the Lakers, if it was... Gasol feeling like at last year's trade deadline to bring in Andre Drummond and then technically demote him to third string center, if that was the difference of Gasol playing another year with the Lakers or not, got to be honest with you, um, you know, it's in the Lakers' best interest and the front office' best interest to obviously look out as best as they can in winning an NBA championship. And if they're going to hurt some feelings along the way, I guess that's just part of the business. I mean, nothing you could you know do about it. I, I don't even spend a second thinking about it. I remember when Andre Drummond, the rumors were coming, may go to Brooklyn, may come to the Lakers. Michael and I would talk about it in the pregame show. We thought, hey, this could be the difference of an NBA championship. If Andre Drummond ends up with your squad, you probably win a championship. And it didn't happen that way. It didn't shape out that way. But many Laker fans were very bold and excited to potentially see Andre Drummond with the Lakers. He came. It didn't happen. It didn't work out. Not all of it was Andre Drummond's fault. Not all of it was Marcus Gasol's fault. It really just was a health issue for the Lakers, and it didn't happen with Anthony Davis. So um, that's uh, you know another topic and another story. We'll see how De- DeAndre Jordan kind of how um, his addition to this roster impacts the Lakers to this upcoming season, and, and we're going to actually ask that question for all these different Laker players that came in. All right, Laker fans, that's it. That's it. Tomorrow morning we do this again. Myself and Travis Rogers, we start at 9.55 in the morning. We'll go till 1 p.m., and that's obviously going to be more than just Laker conversation. We'll talk Dodgers, talk, uh, continue to talk about Los Angeles Rams. Of course, the firing of Clay Helton with the University of Southern California, the Trojans. So all that coming up tomorrow starting at 9.55. If you missed any part of this show, ESPN app or on iTunes, just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. Thank you to Steve Paulette. Thank you to Michael Funches. Thank you to L.A. and everybody that tuned in on the ESPN app. Uh, L.A., have a great rest of your night.